Hello and welcome. Stand Up World episode 44. Hope you well. I'm Mike Binder and this is a good day to not be living in Israel. Oh, sorry. Did I just say that? Man, no. Oh, that's a dumb joke, but it's true. My heart goes out with the Israelis and for the Palestinians that don't want Israelis to die. And I know there are some of them. But I will say, I just want to say, I want to just put this out there. Don't want to bum anybody out. But if anybody who takes my 88-year-old Jewish mother, any terrorist, carts her off in a golf cart, I'm going to say this right now. Before we get into this, our guest, I'm going to state my claim right here. Anyone carts my 88-year-old Jewish mother off, you're going to be bringing her back in three hours anyway, so don't bother, okay? Because she's out of her mind. And you're going to find that out real quick. You take this crazy Jewish bitch back. You hear me? I have her sit here. It's too warm. I have her sit there. It's too cold. I'm not taking her. There's no negotiations. You take her back. Okay. Sorry. If If I offended anyone with that, other than my mother... I apologize. I ajapalize, as Barry Diamond used to say. But we have a, sorry, once again, say hello to Patrick Arnold. Hey, Mike. How you doing, Patrick? I'm good. How are you? I'm off on a tangent again, as usual. We have the silly. We have fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Is there not a lot not to laugh about? what's going on over there, but I just looking for something, anything to just smile, something, but boy, right. Tough times we're in. Oh yeah. I haven't even been wanting to do much. I haven't put my newsletter out. I just, I just, just too, too much, too heavy, but, but I, I'm glad we're doing this today. And, and, you know, I, I, I really, uh, Brad Upton, who is our guest today, Brad Upton, is a very special guy to me because, you know, as some of you know, I started back up at this again at 64, and a lot of people said, why? <laughs> you know, who wants a 64-year-old white guy telling jokes? And there was... I would say, well, there's Brad Epton. He's killing it. <laughs> you know, he's got millions of views on the internet and he sells out clubs and theaters all across the country. And he, you know, he became an overnight sensation after years and years of working his butt off. And, you know, between him and Leanne Morgan, I, at least I had a couple people I could point to. And go, well, at least those guys. But, and he's also just a great comic on top of it. He's just a real meat and potatoes, strong ass stand up comic. 
And he's actually he's played your guys' club, right? He's played yep. John's club. Uh, he's been uh, he's been to Laugh Boston. Laugh Boston for his famous matinees. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're going to talk to him about it, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Let's bring him on. Brad Upton. Brad Upton. So hey. Good, so good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I truly do. Thank you. Well, I'm a big fan, and and I'm and I'm also like uh, really kind of fascinated with your whole story and your rise, and you know my whole thing with the stand-up world is I love to get into and the 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 these great new worlds of stand-up and and people that have carved their own trails up the hill, and and you're you're a great example of that. Yeah, overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> How long did you started a long time ago, right? Uh, September of 84. And I quit teaching in June of 86. So what is that? 38, 39 years ago since I've been doing it full time. Wow. And are you loving it now? Yeah, I am. I'm enjoying it. So it's, it's very nice uh, career validation at the end of these all these years to get some kind of recognition. It's it's been very nice. I bet. And listen, you know, what I like about you is. how just grounded you are on stage, you know, and how, how, how your, your, your energy and your charisma is just, it speaks to your experience, you know? Well, I appreciate that. You know, I had peace. I had some people come up to me one night after a show. They go, the other two, the other two, we like the other two comedians, but there's something different about you. And I, we don't know what it is. I go, because I'm completely comfortable on stage. I am completely comfortable. And I go, you can see in the other two comics, they're still a little mechanical. They're a little uncomfortable. They're not speaking in the in the way that you naturally. And I go, that's I think. And they go, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. I go, yeah, I'm comfortable on stage. Well, you know, and, and one of the things when we've I've been interviewing and and, you know, Patrick's been just kind of been basically a pain in the ass alongside yeah. in the last 40, 40. Is this episode 44, Patrick, or 45 or? 44. 44. Wow. You know, the common thread talking to comedians, and it always was, was that it takes 20 years to be great, you know, and there's just no way around that. No, I would agree. And the beauty about stand-up, of course, is that it looks easy. That's that's everybody that's why everybody thinks they can do it and they think it's easy. Because it looks easy. It's supposed to look easy. But yeah, it's anything but. And you you started up in Portland? Seattle. Seattle. Same thing. Come yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And I've been here ever since. I've never gone anywhere else. I've always been based here. Bought a house here a million years ago and uh, been here ever since. That's great. That's great. And, and you, how often are you on the road? Well, now quite a bit uh, more than I have been in the past because um, I'm out. I'm out whoring myself for cash right now because I can. So uh, I'm I'm gone quite a bit right now. It used to be. Well, I, even now, as busy as I am, at the end of the year, I'm, I know I spend more time in my own bed than I do on the road. That's great. Yeah. And, but do you enjoy being on the road? Yeah, I don't mind. You know, I, people say that. Isn't that stressful? I go, well, you know what? I, uh, I have clear. I have TSA pre-check. I can get in all the airport lounges. Um, I get upgraded most of the time. It's not awful. Um, and I've been doing it forever. So it's, 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 what, it's what I'm used to at this point. Yeah, I'd like to travel more without any shows. Just go do stuff. 
but uh yeah i don't mind it, it's really funny you know and and i'm not a lot younger than you i'm i'm 65 years what 70 right 67 you're 67 oh i thought you were yeah. 70 for some reason so. yeah you read the the other brad upton on the internet he's oh, 71 that guy's 71 so yeah so we're close in age yep and you know i stopped doing stand-up for 28 years wow and i started again a year and a half ago and i and i enjoy it so much more and and i don't mind going traveling you know and the things that people say to me all the time want to complain to me about stand-up i say that doesn't bother me you know that doesn't bother me and and i think a lot of it is age and a right. lot of a lot of it is you know i don't complain about traveling i don't complain you know when i was a kid i guess i would get in trouble on the road or something i don't know right. or or i you know the road was depressing because if i was drinking or something or you know or it just you get you get to a point where you go you say it's kind of nice it's kind of relaxing and i know i'm going to get home soon yeah <laughs> you know? exactly you know the the mindset i always have and i i've heard this from other comics when you're at home when i'm at home i can't wait to get back on the road and as soon as i leave for that trip i can't wait for that trip to be over and yeah. that's it's the cycle it never ends but i don't mind it i've always traveled that's all i ever wanted to do was stand up and i got to do it forever so uh yeah i've never gotten to that dark hated it period yeah well i didn't either i didn't either and i i started really young i just kind of gave up because i was doing other things but and i and i but i and i was doing it every night of my life from time i was 17 to like 30 and i just was so can i when i when you quit did you just put a date on the board and go i'm done or did it, it just things happen where you went i can't take some dates because i got other things happening and then because that fascinates me to have an end date where you quit. I don't know. I, I don't know how you do it. You know, it just was. I never thought I was going to quit. And, you know, I was friends with Leno and a bunch of comedians. Never quit. You hey, don't quit your act. Don't quit. <laughs> whatever you do, don't quit your act, Binder. Keep yeah. your act. And I but I was, you know, I, was, I went through a period for a long time where I got one movie after another made, you know, and I was making movies and, you know, acting in movies and doing right. things and and i you know i had little kids and i had a life and i just it got to the point where i was doing stand-up in a real b-minus mode you right know? yeah and, and i i i could never understand what i what why i what what why i had to quit but I now realize now is because I understood almost organically that you can't really be good unless you're all in. Right. You, right. You can't do it as a side gig. No, that's right. You got to have those reps. You know, you got to have those reps and you got to be working on new material all the time. Or it's like chewing the same piece of gum all the time. You know, you know, when we took that year off for for uh, the pandemic and I was just. I was scared about getting back on stage and, and could I remember my act and all that? And so I, I took the gig and uh, I went down to a casino in Oregon that it wasn't following any of the rules. And uh, I jumped on stage. It was the first time I'd been on 
in several months and I had watched my specials and I listened to my CD and, you know, trying to refresh it in my head. But when I got on stage, what I realized I missed was feeling my brain going 110 miles an hour. I didn't feel because when you're doing stand up live, you're doing five things at once. You're doing the bit. You're deciding do that. Does the audience get the long version of this bit, the short version of this bit. Do I speed it up here? Do I slow it down? Do I talk louder? Do I talk slower? Oh, look, there's a waitress walking in on this side of the room. This way over here, this this table's talking. So you're doing, your brain's doing so much at once. And when I was on stage, I remember going, oh, this is what I miss. I haven't felt my brain work this hard in several months. And I realized that's what I missed. Well, I, I th absolutely. I, I think that's spot on. And I will say another way to say it is it's what people like about drugs and sex and 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 skydiving. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you're, you're incredibly in the now when you're on stage, you're in that moment, no matter no matter what you're not thinking about any other moment. You know, right. you're not going, oh, man, I, you know, I think I might have left the dryer on, you know, you, right. you, you just right. you're right there. You're right there. Yeah, absolutely focused, you know, and the proof in the pudding of that is you can have a horrible, horrible toothache and you get up on stage and the toothache goes away while you're on stage. Oh, yeah. I've you, done that more than once. You don't. Yeah. Because you don't even have the bandwidth to think about the toothache. No, you're just only thinking about the show. Right. I uh, I'll tell you, you know, my last uh, the dry bar special that the last one I did, I was really, really sick. I had a bunch of health issues going on. In fact, I did the show because I had I had been erroneously diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Wow. And I told the dry bar people, I go, I need to, I want to do another special now because I thought I was facing months of chemo and radiation and maybe death. I really thought maybe this is it. And I was really sick. And uh, when I taped my special, uh, I found out about a week before that I didn't have cancer. They didn't tell me what it was. We didn't know what it was. I was coughing and coughing and coughing and coughing. And they're looking at me like, can you go on? I go, I think I'll be all right. When I get on stage, I'll be able to suppress this. And I was, I was just taking cough drops, cough drops. And I did the special. And uh, two weeks later, I had a heart attack. And my uh, right coronary artery was 100% blocked. Um, we got that diagnosed. It was caused by a, a autoimmune disease. Was that, was that what, it, what it wasn't cancer? It was the heart, the heart was? Yeah, I had I have a thing called EGPA. It's an extremely rare autoimmune disease. Only about five thousand cases of it. It cause it's a form of vasculitis, and it was causing the blood vessels to uh, inflame and then you know constrict my heart. And you can see on the special, there's about four different times where I go, <laughs> I'm having trouble breathing. Wow. But the the whole reason was even though I was that sick. I had a great show. I killed. I was focused. Yeah, I thought I thought you were I thought you you were coming a couple times. That's what it was. <laughs> it sounds like what it was. Yeah. I'm having trouble breathing. And after the show, I went back to the hotel and I tried to eat. After the show, I went back to the hotel and I ate a little bit and then I threw up for hours. Uh it was awful. I was really really sick. But the video, 
I nailed it. My wife was, God, that was unbelievable. I go, well, you're in the moment. Let me ask you a question about that dry bar stuff. You know, did you know when you first jumped up with those people that how that was going to change your life? No, I had no idea. And I did one of the very first ones. I taped one of the very first ones in, in uh, January or February of 2017. And, uh, they didn't know what they were doing. They even said they didn't know what they were doing. And uh, they dropped a couple of short videos that were about 60 seconds long, and they got 50 or 60,000 views. And I thought that was great. And then about a year later, a couple of guys started getting about a million views. And I, I, I emailed the guy, said, can you put up another clip of mine? Because um, in my head, I'm thinking, those, those clips aren't better than mine. Yeah. And then he said, yeah, I'll do it. He goes, we found that longer clips work better. So he put up that five minute one about the millennials and it did 33 million views in 10 days. And it just, nobody more surprised than me. I was stunned. And, and what happened as a result of that? What, well, what suddenly then all of a sudden people knew who I was and wanted to know, you know, started finding out about me or looking for me. And we released another video immediately. Uh, and within, I think within about two months, I had about 60, 70 million views in about two months. And then people were, and then suddenly people wanted to buy tickets to come see me. That was well, the biggest thing. What a story. You know, there's a million roads in the center of town, but you, you and, and every time you find about an, I didn't know that one. Right. You know? and, right. And when I first saw you, I started watching you and I thought, where has this guy been? He's so polished. He's so good. You know, and I don't know why. There's something about you that reminds me, even though you guys are completely different, of David Brenner. Oh, I love David Brenner. Yeah. He was one of my favorites as a kid. When I watched on The Tonight Show, I, I loved watching David Brenner. Yeah, he took it so serious. He was such a good, he was such a skilled craftsman, you know? Right. And, uh, but for you to come out, from dry bar, you know, and it's funny because obviously one of the requirements I believe is that they want you to be really clean. Right. Right. So that that's kind of replacing the old tonight show. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and I think that that's probably those people that would have wanted to see that tonight show style that they're loving that medium. Yeah, it's doing very well. Um, you know, and they'll the video that I did that went crazy brought a lot of people to dry bar because nobody knew what it was. And and all of a sudden they're like, Well, what is this? And then every comedian went, Well, I need to do a dry bar. I want to do a dry bar. So Well, um, I noticed that no you're kind of you're kind of the most watched on dry bar. Yeah. I am I am their number one viewed dry bar comedian. That's great. Uh, yeah. And like when you go into the office, can you just like knock things over and stuff? And, and just <laughs> like, hey, listen to me. We're changing there's the a, name Dry Bar. It's Brad Bar. There's a, there's a, uh, uh, it's a bunch of hair salons around the country called Dry Bar. Did you know, know that? There was, yeah, I do know. Yeah. That. I walked in. I told one day I walked in there like I own the place. Nobody knew who I was. That's really funny. Yeah. So there's another interesting thing that I was told about you that, Sometimes you'll do shows like in the late afternoon. Yeah, it's very odd. Uh, I've done a bunch of these matinees about uh, four or five o'clock in the in comedy clubs. And they do the first time somebody pitched it to me, I go, in fact, I've done them like I've done like 11, 11 a.m. one on a Sunday, two o'clock packed. 
packed. I couldn't believe it. Well, those are just the heathen scum of the earth that really on Sunday just wanted yeah, to exactly. care about anything about the Lord. I'm sorry. But, yeah, I've gone into some comedy clubs. Uh, now I'm doing a five o'clock show. It's over at 630. And then they have a show at, you know, they have two shows in the club at eight and 10, but mine's over at 630. Well, they um, must love that. And packed, packed. I was shocked. I, I was shocked. So let me ask you, because, uh, you know, uh, when I got back into stand-up, I'm going to be really honest with you. When I got back into stand-up, so many people said to me, why? Yeah. And, and for, of course, my ego wasn't thinking they were going, why? You're not funny. <laughs> they, right. they were going, why? You're too old. <laughs> or, you know, it's there's right. No, there's no, you know, everybody, nobody wants an old white guy, you know. Right. And I would go, well, there's this guy, Brad, and there's Leanne Morgan. Right. And and uh, I'd say, you know, look, it, I'll just have to find my own audience, you know. Yeah, they're out there. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I'm surprised how many people come to my show that say, this is the first live comedy I've ever been to. And I'm just like, who? You, who's never been to a live comedy show? But there's a lot of people that have, and Leanne, Leanne Morgan's a dear friend of mine. She She's told me the, the same thing. She's yeah. the best. She told and me. I've, I've known Leanne for over 20 years and she'll tell you this. I met her at the Las Vegas Comedy Festival and that weekend I told her, you're a big star. You're a huge star. And that was 20 years ago I told her that. We've been, we've been dear friends ever since. Yeah, she is a big star. She's a big star. You're a big star. You know, you guys are like the. When I saw you both, I don't. I don't think if I, if you guys weren't there, I wouldn't have been so sure about getting back into it. Oh, that's that's uh, that's very humbling. Thank you. But I also think, you know, I'm someone. I'm not afraid of the new world. Right. You know, I. You know, I spent two and a half years working on this documentary about the comedy store. Uh, like five part in a lot of it. I did my era's thing, but right. then a lot of it was all these new guys with podcasts and everything. And I really kind of realized how alive this new underground world was and how vital it was. And that. It yeah. Is, live standup is doing better now. I think than it has ever, as far as people selling tickets, it's, it's, it's big again. And and to me, I also think if you think about it, and I don't know, I, I, I have to assume, what would you say the people coming to see you are maybe 40 on up? Yeah, for the most part. I get some people that are younger, but, you know, when you look at your who's watching you on the, you, you know, you see they break it down for you on. And, and it's mostly for me, it's about. 45 to 65 is the biggest group, but I have people, I have some people under 30 that'll come out and see me, which thrills me. Absolutely thrills me. That's great. But let me tell you something. I would take 45 to 65 in it like that. because Absolutely. First, first of all, they, they're, like I say, they're calmer and they, they got a good sense of humor and they're not morons, you know? Well, the clubs, the clubs love my the clubs love my, uh, the, the people that come see me. They're like, Oh, your audience is so nice. And they, they're well-behaved and they tip that's well right. and they're kind. That's right. I, yeah. That's right. And you know, I mean, they've had just, <coughs> they've just had just enough life beat into them that they know that they got to behave and enjoy themselves exactly. and, and yep. be grateful for their life, you know? 
And, and if they're out to see comedy, that means they're out to enjoy themselves. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, and I, I also think there's probably not a lot of, you know, comedy out there for them. No, know? that's right. I would agree. Uh, there's not a lot out there for them. And, um, you know, they can, they can see me for 25 bucks and it, other guys my age that are still working, they're a hundred bucks to see them. So maybe that's it too. Maybe I'm the low budget guy. That's listen, you're doing something right. And, and so, so when you, you like to do that, you like to do one early show a day or do you like to do two shows? Oh, I'll do two. Um, but yeah, you know what? I, I was just looking this, this next spring, I have a show in like Philadelphia or something at, at I think it's at four. I thought, well, I'll be over at 530. I can go to the ball game afterwards. That's great. I'll just go straight over to the ballpark. I'll yeah. be done at 530. I'm going straight to the ballpark. I'm already looking at the schedule for next year. That's great. Let me ask you about writing. Because I, I do think one of the things about this kind of new world and, and the internet is you really do got to write a lot, don't you? Yeah. And you know what? That's a big thing because uh, I'll be honest with you. I got lazy for a long time. When I was... When I was pretty much anonymous every night going on stage before I blew up, I would go into a club or a corporate event or whatever it was I was working. And for the most part, nobody knew who I was. They'd never heard of me. They'd never seen me for, before. I did my hour. It killed. I'm not going to mess with that hour much. So I got kind of lazy about writing. And then when all of a sudden everybody's seeing everything, I thought, oh, I got to create more material. And I can. When I do it, I can. I can be fairly prolific. But it's now people are buying tickets to see me. And I think, well, where am I going to try five new minutes in the middle of my show? I don't want to do that. I do, but uh, I have to create a bunch of material. And, and now this is the other thing after 38 years, I have, I have management now and uh, they're saying, you got a new hour. You got to get a new hour, get a new hour. I go, get a new hour. You don't just get a new hour. That's hard to do. So I'm working on it. I'm trying. So what, what's the plan? How, what would be the process to get a new hour for you? Yeah, I've never done it before. So I'm kind of learning as I go because, and the other thing is the social media, they just want to keep posting stuff. I go, right. well, do I post this new new stuff online? And then it goes into a special later. They go, oh, you, at the end of 2024, then you kind of take some time off and come back and name the tour and come out with a new hour. I still don't know how that's going to work, Mike. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how you just come out shut off that hour and come out two weeks later and have a new hour. I don't know how it's going to work. I, well, here's what you do. You go into a club with a guy who's really good, a little younger than you, probably someone you could beat up and you just take his hour. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. That's what, that's the quickest, gonna... that's the quickest way to do it. Yeah. You know, and um, look at you were a track coach, right? That's right. You probably still have a little speed left in you. I still got, I can still run a little bit. Okay. So a guy that you can run faster than probably, yeah. probably a fat guy, a small guy, but a funny guy. Yeah. All right. And you just take his act. Okay. I'm making notes while you talk. Okay. talking. No, I, I, I think, look, there's no way around it. I, you have to, and I talked to all these guys about it cause I'm a little fascinated by the idea and, I've been back a year and a half and I, I, I've got close to an hour, you know, not an hour that I, I'm just nuts about yet that I want to lay down. Right. But I'm also putting up reels, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't, so I don't, I, and everyone says, yeah, once you put out a special, you got to drop all that stuff. And 
And I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to drop it. I'll still take it out on the road. People are going to want to see some of it. You right. Know, but have a lot. But I also think you have to then go up and do little short sets at little pop in at clubs and stuff. And, yeah. you know, and, and the other side of that I've found, and I've, I've really learned a lot about stand-up in the last few years, even before I got back into it. And the, you know, Neil Brennan said to me when I was interviewing, I interviewed over a hundred comedians for that documentary I did. Mm -hmm. He said, he just said it's flat out. He goes, without a doubt, the biggest names in comedy are the ones that write the most stand-up. Oh yeah. Well, look at George Carlin was just unbelievably prolific, just unbelievably prolific how much material he created. Right. And, and Chris Rock is prolific and, yep. and Bill Burr is just, you know, and the other side and prior and, but the, the reason I think they're prolific is they're willing, they're brave. They're willing to just try stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes too when you get that, when you have a big following and people love you like that, I think you have to be uh I think there's a, another level of confidence where you think, well, these people, they really do like me and my stuff because, you know, when you're going on stage anonymous every night, they don't, they're not laughing because they love you. They're laughing because your material's good. And now with a little more notoriety, I think that they, you just trust yourself a little bit more. You have a little more belief in yourself. Yeah. I think, I think there's, it's a combination I was talking to Marlon Wayne's about this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a combination. I I think you could be adding trying new material out in the hour that people are paying to see. You don't want to just put a big gaping hole in the middle of it, but you, right. you can be trying stuff out and a combination then of going in and doing little little jump up sets and you know yeah, there's nothing better, too, than trying a new bit and uh, it, having it work. I mean, that's the best thing in the world. I did it the last show I did last Saturday night. I did a new bit. It was a couple minutes long, and it killed. And I went, oh, 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 I got a new piece. I got a new piece. That's great. very excited about it. Yep. And, and you don't find that you can do that in, in, in your in your big hour shows? Yeah, I'm starting to. I just don't want to stick an eight-minute chunk in there. I'm going to have to just do it two minutes at a time, I think. And then maybe find out that it works. Okay, this works. This works. Shelve that for now. And then and then come back to it in another year from now or less than that and then try and stick it in the new hour. But try it a few times, make sure that it works. And try and keep it off of social media too. But that's hard to do. Yeah, and when you do write, do you do you write during the day and do you and then go up or do you is it a lot of it on stage? Uh, I write during the day and then I, a lot of times I'll write it and I'll just leave it in my head and uh, I'll just look at the notes. And when I'm out walking or driving and I'll run it through my head again a few times, trying to try to get the get to the funniest part of it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I think um, that's a really good time for stand up. It's a really good time. And I, and I I I also really give you a lot of kudos for staying up in Seattle and not you're not not coming down and you know joining the rat race in new york yeah. or la and and just just doing it at your own speed in your own time i i think that's given you a lot of i think that's made you 
your own form of funny, you know? Yeah, there's nothing wrong. I've been, I've been a big fish in a smaller pond for a long time and, and it worked out great. And, you know, it was, my kids are, my, my son's almost, uh, he'll be 30 in April. And 30 years ago, I was like, I don't want to move to LA and raise my kids down there. I have a nice house in the burbs in Seattle. I don't, I just don't want to do it. So we stayed here. And, and now my son lives in LA. My yeah, son I was going to say, your son's down here dealing drugs. So you did yeah. a good job, man. Yeah. So he lives in LA now. So I can come down and stay with him. I can come down quite a bit now. What's he doing down here? He manages skyscrapers. So this company that uh, they wow. own a bunch of, they own a bunch of skyscrapers around the country and uh, he went from intern to vice president in less than 6 years. He's doing very well. It's really funny, you know, I had a buddy down here in LA years ago, a really good friend of mine. And he said, I, I got to get my kid out of L.A. It's just too crazy. I'm going to move him up to Seattle. <laughs> and he moved up to Seattle and became a heroin addict. <laughs> I think you picked the wrong town, buddy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Seattle wasn't the place to go. You know, you, know, you could uh, you listen. It, it, I raised both my kids in L.A. And, you know, and um, they're they're your kids, it's 30, you know, both yeah. they're, they're 30, 29 and 30, and they're good kids, you know, but I also, uh, I also think there's something to be in terms of being a comedian, there's, like Tim Allen really stayed away from LA for right. so long. And it made, it just made him a, he, 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 he was a friend of mine in Detroit. We grew up in the mm -hmm. part of Detroit and, it, I think it just made him a better, uh, richer. A yeah, richer, I, I, I can, yeah, I can believe that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And I think Leanne is a really good example of that. Yeah, she never went to L.A. No. Nope. I, I think Nate Bargates is a, a real good example of that. And, right. And uh, Dave Coulier lives in Detroit. And, yeah. You know, so it, it really, there's a lot of ways to play it. And, and uh, man, I just... Listen, I'm a big fan. I really appreciate you coming on. I, I, yeah, you bet. You know, I was going to. I was going to go back to a minute ago when we were talking about writing a new hour. And uh, the other thing too about blowing up at 67, I told you know, I told you I have management now. I said there's no five year plan for me. There's no ten year plan. I'm 67. I'm close to. I can work another year and just disappear and do almost nothing. I'll be perfectly happy. I'll be perfectly happy. That's great. Yeah, I'm sure your managers love that. Yeah. <laughs> go, oh, they're going to talk me out of it. I'm sure yeah. they're going to go, well, they'll just keep trying to throw stuff at me and go, well, he's making so much money now. He's not going to walk away from this. Like, oh, I don't know. I might. I don't know why you'd want to, though, Brad. Oh, I, don't I, think mean, that would... I think, you know, it's funny because when I was um, doing that documentary, I interviewed Louis C.K. And we were talking about that. And he was saying it's real there's a there's a funny tag to this he was saying you know comedians you, you very very few comedians grow old and keep keep their stuff going and he was saying i don't i, don't, I wouldn't want to retire because there's so much more great material to come right and and, and now we i've heard that he says he's going to retire so but but it's true you know, most comedians either die young or they stop doing it. There's the occasional George Burns, I guess, right. or, or, but you know, very few, there's, you very, 
there's not a lot of comedians that have that keep going into their 70s or you know so so you don't really and or keep writing right right well that was the lesson i told you earlier about getting on stage after during after covid and feeling my brain work i went i don't want to stop doing this because this is the best mental exercise to keep my brain sharp doing stand-up there's nothing like performing live to keep your brain sharp so i don't know i won't quit quit i'll keep working and i'll work enough to stay really good i don't want to perform one night every every month i'm gonna also i will still i just won't be doing 15 shows a month I'll, yeah i'll start doing four and by the way i i absolutely second that because i feel it in a after a year and a half and i've been doing it a lot in a year and a half and you know i feel it, it really helps me a lot and i feel oh like yeah the brain me. starts to rewire itself yeah yeah mm -hmm. And boy, I'll tell you, man, when I'm on the road sometimes and I got to remember some of your jokes, you know, and, and, and it's it takes a lot. But what yeah. one video does, but yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's a good mental exercise. Oh, yeah, it's good, man. It's really good. Those millennials are there. They're crazy, aren't they, folks? Yeah, I'm, now I'm picking on Gen Z. I'm also coming back and getting after the boomers a bit, too, because they're that's fair game. Yeah. I'm sure everybody's fair game. Yeah. Everybody's fair game. I'm getting after my mother now. I got a crazy 88 year old mother and I just have so much fun picking on her on stage. I just. Oh, it's good. I, See, my mom's 93. My mom's still there. People ask me about working clean. I go, well, when I first started doing stand up, I knew my mom was going to come see me at some point and I didn't want to hear her bitching at me. So I, I would make sure it was something she could tolerate and she's still mean and uh, judgmental. And uh, I should, I should actually make some fun of her. That would be easy enough to do. And it would be fair game and a nice payback. Oh yeah. It's the best. I, I told my wife when I said, man, any, any terrorist takes my 88 year old Jewish mother off in a golf cart. I will tell you one thing in three hours, they're bringing her back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. bringing her back <laughs> you yeah. keep this crazy woman yeah. there's no negotiations <laughs> all yours yeah but yeah no it's all fun it's all everything's everything's game when, are you, when are you coming down to la uh i'm coming down there i have a show in brea uh, like mm, December 2nd or 3rd. I'm oh, at the Brea Improv. Oh, that's great. That's and great. I'll probably come down that weekend and, you know, hang out with my son for a couple of days. Oh, I'll come see you at the Brea Improv. All right. I'll try. Maybe I'll get a set somewhere. I'll have Friday and Saturday off. I'll try and get a set somewhere. We're, uh, somewhere closer than Brea. I don't know where you live, but. Uh, I, I live in Santa Monica, but. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, I was I actually went on before uh, Jeremy Piven. At the, oh, Bray, yeah. at the Bray Improv not long ago. So I have a good time. Yeah, I'll be down. Uh, I do a Sunday show. It's probably at 5 o'clock. <laughs> I haven't looked. I'll bet it's at 5 o'clock. Hey, I got my calendar right here. No oh, traffic. No traffic. Oh, yeah. Let me see if I wrote the time down. No, I don't have the time down. I'll bet it's early, though. Well, give me a call. I'd love All to, right. I'd love I'll to do it. I'll you know. Absolutely. I'd love to meet you and hang out. All right. Great. Best of luck to you. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You will. Okay. Episode 44. That's two fours in a row. 
and it's the one after 43, and it's the one before 45 for those of you who let numbers become more important in their minds and too big of a deal, like Patrick, who sometimes will call me up before a shoot and say, hey, Mike, what's eight plus six? Okay, Patrick. (laughs) Fourteen. Am I right? Yeah, you got me. You blow my spot up. That's all right. You have you have many other fine qualities. None spring to mind at the moment, but me either. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank. Oh, you're you're okay, Patrick. I give you a hard time, but you're okay. You're a damn good guy. But that was a good episode. I I really like that guy. I really like Brad. And I, we got to get Leanne Morgan on this show. Definitely. We really got to get Brad Leanne on yeah. here. She's great. Yep. Okay. That's it. That's episode 44, folks. I really appreciate you watching it. The people that are sticking with us, telling their friends about it, maybe even reviewing us on Apple because that's really important. And that's really it. You know, just your support means so much to me. It it really does. I, I, I sometimes get a little too silly, I know, and nutty and but i'm trying to figure something out here so thanks for coming back appreciate it love you